0: They are also now being treated with medication to lower their idiopathic high heart rate and high blood pressure. The disease of old is now becoming the skin. Our children are rearing and trending, decreasing their health and longevity while aging their internal organs and brain before biological aging occurs. Hello friends, welcome to the Limbic Podcast. Listen, your brain and body comes equipped with their own healing machines. My name is Umu Benjamin and I am a holistic integrative and nutritional psychiatry nurse practitioner with over 21 years of medical nursing experience and a mind and body preventive health coach. Today I am talking about how stress Damages your heart and affects your mental and physical well being. Your heart is a muscle like any other muscle in your body. It is made up of cells, microcapillaries, vessels, veins, arteries, fibers, tissues, etc. Some of the heart's functions is to help automate and regulate the heart rate. blood pressure as well as help oxygenate and move blood and fluid through the whole body. It sounds simple, but the heart functions are extensive and critical for survival. Think of the heart as the pump that supplies the entire body. Pump failure leads to failure in all the systems that interact with the pump, down to the cells. Therefore, any micro or macro wear tear expansion, narrowing, clogging, or damage to our heart pumping systems or overuse of the pump leads to damage. We often think that the heart or the cardiac damage is caused by big events versus the tiny micro stress exposures. We predispose the heart and the cardiac system too every single day while the analogy of the heart to the pump or comparing the heart to a pump may seem illogical the heart is actually our systemic pumping machines any pump working under too much pressure or stress over time bursts, leaks and becomes damaged the heart is a muscle and as such, a performs as every muscles within the body, which means it does experience internal and external physical and chemical-induced damages. Currently, for the general population that is developing heart and cardiac problems, the damages are insidious and very subtle in their development. We are talking about developing cardiac problems, From the chronic elevation in blood pressure and heart rate and the transient or occasional shortness of breath or feelings of windiness or frequent to occasional hypoxia. And hypoxia is low oxygenation in the body. The combination of those factors tend to go unassessed, unmonitored, untreated for years. Our heart's machines is or are built to have a resting active reactive and exercise phase we have phases where our hearts are supposed to experience a period of rest followed by a period of activity and any aspect of occasional reactiveness or any aspect of exercise resting heart rate refers to the numbers of times that the heart beats per minute while at rest or in a resting or relaxed state. Typically, this is measured during sleep. I'm not asking you to start measuring your your sleeping heart rate in terms of 24-7 monitoring as we do in the hospital settings, but I will talk about the ways that you can actually acquire this data for you to have what will be your baseline. The resting heart rate can also be measured when you wake up before any physical activity. And this is you opening your eyes and actually just allowing your smartwatch to actually take a quick assessment as to what your heart rate is. Naturally, if you're sleeping with a smartwatch, it does that automatically for you. But if you're not, then you have to manually monitor it. The resting heart rate also reflects our internal working pressure, which means If we are in our resting heart phase, we are activating and experiencing our parasympathetic system. The parasympathetic system, I've talked about it many times in a few of my podcasts. This is when the body is at rest, relaxation, and repair. This is the time the body chooses to want to do repair as it doesn't want to be doing repair when we are in our active phase. It's also the phase that we need to activate if we want to tap into our healing machines and our stress, stress reduction phase of just healing. The next phase of our heart is the active phase or active heart rate. And this just also means the number of times the heart beats per minute during our waking An active period while performing activities of daily living. Our heart's active rate will reflect our activation of our sympathetic activation or activation of the sympathetic system. It means you are now tapping into your flight and fight or freeze phase of your nervous system. We also have what is reactive and exercise heart rate and this refers to the number of times the heart is going to beat during times of physical or chemical reactiveness or with exercise. This number varies based on the type of stress or experiences, exercise, the duration, the condition of the individual and the tolerance of specific exposure and the intensity or severity of the exposure. It means for all the different factors I mentioned, your heart is going to adjust to these variables. It also means reactive and exercise heart rate is also activating our sympathetic system. So while exercise-induced sympathetic activation is transient and healthy and good, reactiveness activation of the sympathetic system can become chronic and remain within our body and brain for over 24 hours of each reactive incident. So for every time you tap into reactiveness your body maintain that increased surge of cortisol neurotoxins as well as increases its metabolic demand to support what is that low-grade activation of your flight and fight system, releasing more stress hormones into your brain and body. The resting and acting phase should be between 60 and 100 beats per minute. And that's for general population health. This number is lower in younger children and adolescent The caveat to take away from this podcast today is that everyone has variabilities to their resting baseline or active heart rate, per se. And those baseline variabilities may be the level of exercising you had as a child, your current mobility, your current exercise or fitness level, your hydration status, your sleep status, your nutrition status, your stress level, and current and prior medical conditions. And that's just among the few of the many other variables. This means at any given time, alteration in your level of exercise, mobility, hydration, sleep, stress, nutrition, or health status is going to impact what is your baseline resting and active heart rate, as well as your cardiac health. We as society, we are experiencing many more physical, chemical, inflammatory, and psychological changes that is altering our cardiovascular system and the heart resting, active, reactive, and exercise phase. In other words, we are experiencing many cases of cardiac dysautonomia. Many times we activate our sympathetic systems by just strolling through social media feeds or listening and feeding on the live occurrences of others. Our heart or cardiovascular system is functioning in a state of active reactiveness, always in a low-grade stress-inducing state. This is how we Stress or add inflammatory burden to our bodies, producing micro damages to our cardiac structures due to chronic activation. We want some stress in life, but there has to be a balance. Or the table abnormally tilts, producing negative consequences. We are experiencing micro cardiac overload and damage due to chronic cardiovascular overactivation. Macro, or micro, leads to macro. It is an accumulating effect, producing different symptoms, conditions, eventually cardiovascular diseases and worst case scenario, dysfunctions of other organs. And all of that leads to what becomes the end product of its effect on the mind and the body. Today, we have many pediatrics experiencing hypertension or high blood pressure or elevated heart rate as some of the many consequences of the chronic overactivation of our sympathetic system, which in turn chronically activates our cardiovascular system. Young children are sitting around with a heart rate of 90 beats per minute to 120 beats per minute, undetected, untreated and in a state of chronic chemical, physical and psychological reactiveness. They are also now being treated with medication to lower their idiopathic high heart rate and high blood pressure. The disease of old is now becoming the skin our children are rearing and trending decreasing their health and longevity while aging their internal organs and brain before biological aging occurs. Culturally, we are raising children that are rearing 40 to 50-year-old bodies, trending through life with chronic diseases before age 18. According to the Centers for Disease and Prevention, an estimated 1.3 million youths ages 12 to 19, is with high blood pressure, according to the new guidelines. The CDC does go on to also explain that nearly half of the adults in the United States, approximately 47% of us, or 116 million of us, have high blood pressure or hypertension or are taking medication for hypertension. High blood pressure or hypertension naturally increases the risk for cardiovascular disease damage and cognitive decline. The American, Associ- American Heart Association in 2020 mentioned that in the United States, coronary artery disease or coronary heart disease is the leading cause of death at 41.2% of deaths reported in the United States, followed by stroke followed by other cardiovascular diseases, followed by high blood pressure, followed by heart failure, followed by diseases of the arteries. All causes of mortality have a common predisposing factor. An anomaly starts with unmanaged high blood pressure, which damages the heart, vein, arteries, fiber, tissues, and muscles. And as those damages happen, coronary artery disease gets developed, stroke gets developed, cardiovascular gets developed, kidney disease gets developed, Alzheimer's gets developed. Cardiac overload, also known as, according to me, cardiac overactivation or ventricular overload, refers to a condition in which the heart is subjected to excessive workload or increased demand Ventricles are the left and right bottom structures of the heart. According to Frontier Publication in Pediatrics, or Frontier in Pediatrics Population, a third of newly diagnosed hypertensive children, kids with high blood pressure, demonstrated significant target organ damage. Left ventricular hypertrophy and arterial stiffness in child in adulthood. It means many children are in the training phase of learning to enter adulthood with enlarged and stiff hearts, which also spells their potential for early onset cardiovascular accident. The heart's ventricle pumping and functions are extensive and they naturally have to overcome so much resistance to push blood out of the different chambers of the heart that does get shuffled off to the rest of the body. During chronic stress activation, the brain in the body activates our sympathetic system. This chronic activation leads to the body maintaining a constant state of elevated heart rate and blood pressure. Therefore, activating the active phase of the heart Beats increases the cardiac workload and demand putting greater stress on the heart. And this is a simple insight for all of us having our daily life. How many times would you have recalled climbing up a stairs or maybe a tiny step of heel and asking why am I breathing so heavily? Why does my chest feel so heavy? Why do I feel so tired? Why am I out of breath? Have you ever monitored your heart rate post an argument, an, an anger spell, cognitively demanding task, or a psychological stress-inducing situation? And for many of us, such psychological stress-inducing situation can be just watching or reading an alarming news or media feed, right? Well, our bodies do provide us with these warning signs which can be physical or chemical, and they are coming directly from the stress of the cardiac workload that reflects as symptoms in our chest, in our heart, in in the way we breathe. It indicates a problem with your cardiac overloads, flexibility, adaptability, compliance, and resilience or lack of them. However, most individuals, including kids, are unaware of these potential warning signs and do not have or have not learned any means to either report it effectively or combat it to reduce their effects. Stress on the heart occurs when the heart has to work harder to pump blood and oxygen, leading to various physical, psychological, and chemical changes in the body. So I'm gonna talk about some of the potential impacts of cardiac overload or a stressful heart. And one of those is gonna be decreased in brain perfusion. High blood pressure, a high heart rate affects the homeostasis of the brain. It produces psychological, chemical, cognitive and psychological change. <laughs> well, physiologic is the first one. Physiologic change. It means it changes what is those working structures. Then it does more chemical as well. It affects your cognitive performance and it also affects your psychological performance. High blood pressure can lead to the brain having a reduction in its volume, literally shrinking of our brain, specifically the hippocampus of our brain, which is our brain learning and memory center. Atrophy of the brain or brain volume reduction is training for early ADHD symptoms as a child or decrease in learning potential ability, a decrease in IQ. I mean, many of us are not even testing our IQs nowadays, but we may be walking around with high blood pressure decreasing that value even further. And high blood pressure and high heart rate is gonna cause sub-optimum cognitive performance and eventually leads to early Alzheimer's. Another complication of high blood pressure and high heart rate is the fact the heart stays increased when the heart is stressed it is in a state of overload and what it does it's gonna respond by increasing what is the beat that needs to happen to perfuse the brain in the body and then it's gonna turn around and make the contractions of those beats stronger because it needs to compensate to push against the demand and the resistance of the vessels to supply blood and oxygen to keep our brain cells and body cells functioning effectively. Naturally stress and chronic cortisol activates what becomes a constriction within the brain and within the body and naturally this increases the heart's resting heart rate, the respiratory rate, as well as increases the oxygen demand. Another potential complication of a stressful heart is going to be increasing blood pressure. Cardiac overload can lead to an elevated blood pressure level. The heart must pump against increased resistance to maintain what is just adequate oxygen and blood flow to tissues and organs. However, persistent high blood pressure can cause long-term damage to the blood vessels and the heart. It does cause damages to other organs, but today I'm focusing on just how it affects the heart. A stressful heart is also going to develop hypertrophy. Hypertrophy, this is a direct damage to the ventricles. The two the left and the right chambers I talked about, they are the workhorse of the heart. If the heart consistently consistently have to beat above 100 beats per minute, per minute, even during times of supposedly rest, over time this leads to hypertrophy. And hypertrophy just means the heart has to compensate by building a bigger muscle, thicker muscle, enlarged large muscles. And if the overload persists, it can lead to abnormal cardiac structures and functions. Eventually what that does, it impairs the heart's ability to pump blood effectively. And normally we see these individuals with big, big hearts. Not in a sweet way, but in a very deadly way because these hearts are weak hearts and they are unable to truly pump blood against the resistance that they need to use to supply blood to the rest of the body. A stressful heart is also going to produce... A decrease or reduction in its cardiac output. Cardiac overload can decrease cardiac output and cardiac output means the amount of blood that the heart can pump per minute and we want the heart to pump strong effectively to empty those chambers out appropriately. When the heart becomes overworked and the cardiac output gets to be reduced It means the heart now fails to recoil, lengthen, it's not strong anymore, it becomes less flexible, it's not able to adapt, and it becomes less functional. And this leads to the clinical implication where it's not able to work against the increased demand that the body needs it to use. So which means it's going to have a decrease in its ability to deliver oxygen, blood, and nutrients to the body, the tissues, the cells. So many people experience this as fatigue, shortness of breath, exercise intolerance, passing out, blacking out, failure of the heart at worst. Heart failure just means the heart becomes unable to pump blood effectively. And most people, if they're experiencing heart failure, they're going to have symptoms of shortness of breath, fluid retention, fatigue, swelling in their extremities, swelling around their abdomen and organs. And these are just few of the many symptoms that individuals will experience when the heart pumping machine fails. And many times heart failure requires medical intervention and management to improve the heart's function and improve the quality of life. A stressful heart is also going to develop arrhythmias. Cardiac overwork or cardiac overload can disrupt the heart's normal electrical activity, leading to irregular heart rhythms or arrhythmias. Arrhythmias just means or most people may feel arrhythmias as your heart skipping a beat, erratic at times, fast at times, slow at times. In reality, it's dysautonomia of the cardiac system or dysregulation of the cardiac electrical system these are normal heart rhythms can lead to potential development of even more life-threatening conditions such as atrial fibrillation ventricular tachycardia or vascular or cardiovascular accident many of our current non-mindful daily activities of living stressful lifestyle Inflammatory processes are contributing to the stress on our hearts. So here are some of the common lifestyle factors that can strain the heart and contributes to the stress on the heart. Lack of mindful breathing. Our blood-brain barrier is already permeable or open to negative or infectious influences and chemical changes. With brain permeability, we are open to a state of inflammation that produces dynamic changes in our resting respiratory rate. Most individuals naturally are walking around with elevated respiratory rates that are not effective to support brain or just regular health functions. Because of this change or underlining change, the brain and the body is functioning in a state of mild respiratory acidosis or an acid state within our blood and that's due to poor cellular respiration. A lot of us have sedentary lifestyle. Lack of physical activities or sedentary lifestyle can weaken the heart's muscle over time. Regular exercise keeps the heart strong and efficient, improving its ability to pump blood without excessive strain. A little Thing I learned with years of taking care of critical care patients in the ICU is the exercise heart is able to tolerate a quick and fast increase in heartbeats per minute up to 180 beats per minute. The untrained and unexercised heart actually decompensates the minute it's touching 160 consistently. So exercise is you training your heart to be able to respond to what may potentially be a medical experience where you may actually have more resilience because you've spent time training your cardiac muscles and heart to actually tolerate some aspect of short in heart rate versus when it's not exercised enough to tolerate such increased heart rate, we see decompensation happens very quickly. So exercise is training your heart muscles to tolerate what may become a medical emergency. A lot of our diets are poor, and this is a major one. Any diet that worsens the mind and body inflammatory burden, producing obesity, diabetes, high blood pressure, causing inflammatory changes where cholesterol and autoimmune gets to be um, developed. All of these put a strain on the heart and potentially what will be the function of the heart. And these factors can directly influence what becomes the workload on the heart and produce what will be cardiac stress. Poor hydration. Poor hydration can contribute to cardiac overload or stress by reducing the blood volume and oxygen and causing the heart to work harder to maintain adequate circulation. It is like asking a dry well to pump out or provide more water. It's dried, and the only thing that does come up is dirt and mud. Sounds a little dramatic, but a a dehydrated body or dehydrated heart is a heart that's not going to pump correctly. Poor sleeping habits. Poor sleep disrupts the heart's conduction system. And that means we walk around with abnormal heart rhythms such as atrial fibrillation, which is irregular heart rate, tachycardia, fast heart rate, bradyarrhythmias, and this is slow but irregular heart rates. And there's many other arrhythmias we do get to develop as part of the side effect of poor sleep. Most postpartum mom will experience more irregular or fast heartbeats within few hours of no sleep. And this is directly a side effect of having to have a routine, labor-intensive regimen to care for their newborns during times of high stress. Sleep directly plays a role in the heart autoregulation. Chronic stress. prolonged chronic stress have a negative impact on the heart. Stress activates our sympathetic nervous system, which directly turns around and increase our blood pressure our heart rate it causes us to have poor respiratory adaptation and it worsens inflammation and oxidative stress and all of that puts strain on the heart muscles and increases what is the risk for cardiac overload alcohol consumption or excessive alcohol consumption heavier chronic alcohol consumption naturally weakens the heart it shreds the inner lining of the heart And this induces abnormal conduction as well as changes in the electrolyte imbalances, nutritional depletion and the dilation that happens within the cardiac muscles. All of these puts the heart at risk for developing high blood pressure, arrhythmias, elevated pulmonary hypertension which is high blood pressure in the lungs and keeps our heart mildly to moderately elevated. Tobacco use. Tobacco naturally damages the vessels within the heart, and this will turn around, increase what will be the blood pressure, reducing oxygen supply to the tissue. And as a byproduct of the CO2, it's going to produce substances within the blood that removes the protective barrier of the heart's vessels, makes them prone to developing plaques, weakening the structures, and increasing the risk of heart attack and stroke. Metabolic metabolic disorders. Acquired metabolic disorders such as obesity, diabetes, hypertension, and high cholesterol puts additional strain and damage on the heart, causing cardiac overload. Unmanaged chronic inflammatory conditions. Any medical conditions that we have, is going to lead to cardiac overload. These conditions naturally put additional metabolic strain on the heart and it increases its demand. And anytime there's a demand increase, it means the heart goes into overwork or overload. Suppose an individual, you or I are uh, were experiencing one or two of these listed factors. These factors would directly contribute to cardiac overwork, overload. And part of Preventive Wellness is working on the listed micro and macro metabolic burden that puts the heart into a chronic stress leading to inflammatory and stress-induced cardiac overwork or overload. So if you have listened to me till this point in this podcast, I'm going to encourage you to participate with me for a quick two weeks worth of self-assessment. So for the next two weeks, two weeks if you are privileged with an Apple watch, or Whoop watch or any other smartwatch that can be monitored. Take this assignment to monitor your vital signs such as your heart rate and respiration and oxygen for the next two weeks. I want you to monitor these daily changes and have a normal educational discussion with your primary care office, nurses, Or doctors and also visit if the variation that you noted were abnormal or piqued your curiosity. Start by visiting the link I'm going to provide in the show link that's going to give you both pediatrics and adults recommended blood pressure normalcy or what's considered normal blood pressure. I want you to perform basic monitoring to establish what is your baseline. And this should begin your journey to having what is a preventive health monitoring as well as cardiac resilience. Acquire a blood pressure cuff that can provide record keeping and sharing of medical records to your medical providers. And these can be acquired at CVS, Walgreens, Walmart, Amazon specialty stores. Acquire a pulse oximeter. An oximeter is... A monitor that measures your heart rate and your oxygen level. It sits on your fingers. Make sure your fingers are nice and warm. If it's cold it's not going to pick up accurately. Use your smartwatch to monitor your heart rate and respiration during sleep. The link I'm going to provide you will allow you to plug in your heart rate and your blood pressure and it will allow you to determine what is normalcy or not. However, feel free to visit the American Heart Association or the American Pediatric Association. They do have blood pressure and heart rate guidelines for adults and pediatrics. Monitor what is your waking up heart rate, blood pressure respiration. And that can be easily done by your smartwatch picking up on those values. I want you to monitor an argument or anger or post stressful task heart rate, oxygenation level, blood pressure, and respiration. For the blood pressure, it means if you already have your established baseline, you'll be taking a blood pressure right after the argument, anger, post-stressful task, per se. I also want you to monitor your exercise heart rate. And this is going to be in range unless you've learned how to develop a steady state exercise heart rate. I also want you to monitor what will be your respiration range. If you have a smartwatch, it automatically monitors those for you. I also want you to monitor your resting blood pressure, resting heart rate, and resting respiratory rate. Your resting respiratory rate will be acquired during your nighttime sleep, which your smartwatch. It will also be acquired. Your heart rate will also be acquired during that time. But I also want you to pay attention to what is your resting heart rate just sitting and watching TV. I also want you to take note and monitor how long does it take your blood pressure, your heart rate, and your respiratory rate to return back to baseline post-exercise or stressful encounters or, in, or activities. Suppose you were able to collect that data for two weeks. In that case, this is or this will be your direct self-observation or study. And this would also be your data collection on your vital signs. This record should be shared with your medical provider. And any abnormalities or elevated or elevation should be reported to your primary care providers for further assessment and education. This will help you and your family create goals and reduce stress, goals to reduce stress and build resilience within the cardiovascular system. To check your child's vital signs for appropriateness or normalcy, visit your medical provider's office for assessment or follow the same assessment um, list I just gave you for an assignment for the next two weeks and use the link provided in the show note to ca- calculate what is their baseline and also share this information with your medical provider as well as any aspect of curiosity or abnormality in numbers be reported to your primary caregiver. If you've been able to listen to me up to this point, thank you for listening. This podcast is for empowerment purposes only and it's not intended for treating your particular medical condition. I want to empower you and your family with education. Suppose you are experiencing high levels of stress, which can lead to brain inflammation. Seeking early preventive health coaching and treatment is recommended, as this will prevent brain remodeling and inflammatory changes due to chronic stress. If this topic resonates with you, please subscribe and share this podcast with friends and family. This support them in seeking early preventive health or wellness around stress. Feel free to visit me at mylimbic.com. And also, I value and appreciate your feedback, comments, and criticism. And I would like to hear how to improve this podcast to benefit you. Thank you for listening and have a wonderful day.